Mr. Pop. Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides. I've forgotten my intro. <laughs> hey, everyone. One. How you doing? Shush. Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides, a paranormal actual play podcast. I'm your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lytton. And with me, as always, are my casts and crew and editors and the people that make stuff happen, Chester and BJ. You know them. You love them, probably. How do you do, my fellow gamers? Yeah, man... I'm doing good, yep. man. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is Alistair excited for Overwatch Two? Um, you know, you know what? Is Diva even in it? I don't know. You know, no, you know what? Alistair is a changed man. Changed man. <laughs> he, because he's working so hard, he barely plays games anymore. That's that's it. So now you have a reason to not know game. He's facts. become an adult. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's become an adult. I still yep. think it would be. Playing sure. like Mindscape or one of those. Oh, he'd be, um, he'd be playing something. This man's playing Galaga. They thought he wouldn't notice, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chester Lydon and I play Heath O'Sullivan, a tier special forces operative and leader of their newest trainee team, codename Wormwood. With his incredibly versatile vertigo ability and being a fey-touched individual, Heath has shot through the ranks at tier and at 27 is the youngest to ever hold his rank and prestige. Sure. Of monsters, I need to write and a proper men. one of these. Monsters and men, and I write now. I need to write one of these, and also actual threats that are not folk bands yeah. from the early two thousands. <laughs> they did 2010s. one album, and it's still a very good album. It's a very good album, but it's still just one album. BJ. Hi everyone, Hi, my BJ. name is BJ. I play a twenty-one-year-old emo with a short fuse and a fondness for chocolate milk by the name of Alistair Stern. Two years ago, after the mysterious disappearance of his best friend, he moved to the mainland from his hometown in the Hook Bar Archipelago and currently works as a field operative for the Tear Society, which is a secret organisation established for the study, protection and conservation of the preternatural and the unexplained. Why do you keep trying to do it in one breath? <clears throat> I don't know. Ah, ah, um, okay. Yes, uh, I have fun fun fact. For Alistair, because I thought of it while we were recording the last episode. So we met Puck in the last episode, Mm -hmm. who clearly is a fan of tattoos, um, which obviously she has reason to be because they're super magic (laughs) glitter tattoos. Super magic. Super magic. Um, But she convinced Alistair to get his first and second tattoo. So... Um, oh, that's right. It's Ernest that actually had the tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Alistair, we never. Um, I, I like he has piercings and earrings and stuff, but I, he doesn't have tattoos. Yeah. So his first tattoo on his left wrist, like the left inside of his left wrist, was the um, Victorinox Swiss Army knife logo that he got there in memory of Kai, um, because you know the the the. Season Swiss, one Swiss relevant knife. things. Swiss, yep, go listen to season one. It's good. And his second is a medium-sized raven tattooed on, like, between his shoulder blades, just at the base of his neck, inspired by the the big bird creature, the beast creature that he also met in season one. But, of course, like, when he went in, like, he was trying to explain what he wanted to the tattoo artist. He's like, I want this 
Um, and he's like, I, I can't explain. Uh, just, just put a rave in there. There's a big bird. There's a big bird. Big bird. There's, um, <laughs> he's like, oh, you yes. want actual big bird? No, like, it, you don't get it. Uh, like a big raven. But also a man. <laughs> it's also a man. It's very tall. Yeah, I feel like it's... And it's not big bird. <laughs> I feel like it's just, like, the head and maybe the wings of the raven. Yeah. But what about... what Does Heath have any tattoos? We haven't actually had a good description of some of Heath's... Okay, well, we can go into a bit of Heath's description stuff because I was going to do that anyway for his fun facts. So Heath has, basically, I'll start with a few things. So he has a selection of rings on just about all of his fingers. He has on one hand, they're they're across both of them, but he has rings, one made of uh, iron, one made of silver, one made of copper, and then he has a series of wooden rings, one made of oak, of ash, and of thorn, and birch. So these are all different elements, different types of material that have different effects on different creatures and also being a fey touched creature he has a strong connection with nature and he has tattoos over his hands and up a part of his wrists up to about the biceps really of tree branches leaves that type of stuff and he also has a comet which is basically meant to be wormwood which is where he Mm -hmm. got the name originally from which is the star that will be a part of the destruction of earth in the last book of the bible um, he just took the name because he liked it and <laughs> thought the idea was interesting of a, a comet that was set to kind of destroy part of the Earth and feel, naming that after his group. I feel like he and Alistair have had many debates. It's like, it's not, it's not a good name for a group. Like, it's, that's a bad thing. No, it's cool, man. It's cool, man. It's all good, man. Um, but yeah, so he has a series of tattoos up his wrists. He has a tree. He has roots. He has different branches, different types of leaves for those different types of trees. And then he also has a, a range of different things. But that's a good area to kind of start. We can go into more specifics of them as we go. But he has a series of tattoos up his wrists. They're not like, they're cool. all black. They're all like solely black and a little bit of shading but yeah they're very simplistic like intentionally yeah. but yeah main thing is the rings so basically his thought is if i punch something one of them will hurt it <laughs> <laughs> yes it might be worth mentioning uh briefly that all of those different metals and woods and things have different places in folklore and mythology to do with the supernatural either as uh, charms or wards. So the idea is it's either going to endear you to something or hurt something if you hit it. So, And he has a, um, a necklace that you can sometimes see around up beneath the, um, the silk shirt, which actually has roses infused into it, into some of the, the gems of it. Because I believe in some of the folklores with uh, vampires, the way to kill a vampire would be to surround it with white roses and to put a head of garlic in its mouth, but the white roses are also very significant to that. Mm. So they have white well, rose petals. And he would also, it would be on an iron chain, would be the, yeah, the thing. Got, yeah. Oh, it's a shame we didn't find vampires. It is. So he would have been very prepared. Considering oh, also his batons have t- a tipped, one is yeah. with iron and one is with silver. So yeah. Yeah. For different, he's very prepared for this stuff. He's, <laughs> he's lived so this life for, for a vampires, long time. But nothing I, all right, <laughs> let's jump in. Medieval city of Bruges, Belgium, we find the Wormwood operative team in a church crypt underground. Uh, moonlight streaming through high windows that are above ground, because that sentence needed the clarification. Uh, we find Heath facing down this strange 
uh, almost inhuman looking shadowy figure behind this figure uh, the man you were sent to protect and retrieve Douglas Hildebrand he is seeking to open one of the gravestones that are set into the wall of this crypt now you entered into this uh, room through a smashed open hole in the wall that led to the catacombs uh, below. You have crawled your way through uh, Alistair and Puck. Behind you, there are still about 12 of the undead that are crawling out of a crack in the ground. That's that probably are coming fine. For you. Okay, so Heath is going to, he's already told them to focus on the, to go for Hildebrand, and he is to buy them time and to draw the main guy's attention away from them so they can get around. He is going to take off a sprint towards the guy in the mask, and he is going to lean back as he shifts his gravity once again to make it that he's going down almost like a very long slope. As he leans back, he is going to kneel down to slide on his shins like he's sliding on grass, like, you know, like the soccer players do, down along the the smooth, like, uh, I'm imagining it was just like stone paneling, basically, like stone, yeah, um, like tile. Yes, these large stone tiles and slide towards this guy as he brings out his batons again, flicks them and is going to try and undercut one of his legs. All right, make an attack roll for me. <laughs> okay, okay. That's an eight plus three. All right, 11 hits. Woo! Wait, so it d- does hit? Because they shot him and it didn't do anything. Oh, no, they hit him. Though. No, I, I hit him. But he I just didn't, didn't react. He just, he just didn't. I okay. did uh, 12 damage. Okay, so what do I roll to damage? No, that was the other one. I did eight damage. Uh, with your batons, I believe that's a D8. Okay, that's a five plus two. Seven. All right. Um, yeah, you take one of the legs out from under him. Now, as you do this, are you trying to like go between his legs or to the side to of the side. him? Right, as you go to the side of him, you you swing, you feel the metal of your billy club strike, you feel it impact, um, and you feel his leg move. But as you do so, it's almost like his mass shifts and he uses your momentum to turn himself around. So mm-hmm. instead of the leg coming out from underneath him, his leg goes up and swings him around so that he's still facing you as you go past him. You've definitely hit him, okay. um, but he seems not worried about you at yeah. all. Then Heath is going to immediately switch the gravity in the opposite direction to pull him straight back up to standing now on the other side of him facing him again. All right. Make a perception check, actually, again for me. Uh, this is a slightly more focused one on his appearance and what he's wearing. Uh, that's just a three. All right, just a three. Whatever he's wearing, it's some kind of tattered raincoat, rain cape thing um and underneath that honestly just who knows but you can see that as you do this his hands come up and they solidify themselves almost in a boxing stance they're gloved um in ragged gray black stained leather um and you can see that he is preparing to make an attack at you okay Heath kind of mimics him in the same hand position, still holding the batons and clamping them into that kind of boxer stance and moves one leg behind him, turning the back foot to the side to kind of give him enough presence and move the other foot foot slightly forwards and out a bit, giving him this proper stance. Yeah, you lower your knees a little bit. And as you bring your fists up, are you still holding the billy clubs? Yeah. So you're holding them in a defensive uh, position. As he's ho- and as Heath is holding them up, he is going to crack them together twice and the metal 
flashes, giving mm-hmm. off sparks that goes. Um, all right, you you wait. You're waiting for this guy to make the first move so that you know how to react to him because your plan really now is to try and figure out how he works and to counter, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch. You narrow your eyes. This is Heath's jam. This is exactly what Heath loves is this kind of situation. And you watch this figure who is perfectly still and then flashes forwards so fast it's hard for you to even see. Um, he moves in and ducks low and he's going to swing to attack. You- I need all the wins. Yeah. Ain't no L's. I gotta get a no call and quiz. Yeah. Gotta keep on moving no matter how hard it gets. Yeah. Better move out the way because I'm coming with harder hits. My head is as hard as a brick. Right. He only got a five. That is seven. Okay, well, that's too low for my hit. So Heath is going to bring his arm down and catch the, the hit in kind of his bicep and the crook of his elbow and pushes him to the side. And he's going to bring the other hand down with the baton pass and try and strike it into the guy's right. side. Roll. Um, you notice, though, as he hits you, you feel cold run up your arm. 13. Um, 13 hits. Okay, 13 hits. 10 damage and as he feels that coldness rush he is going to use that hit that con- that impact and where he has his arm up and that pressing against the guy he's going to push off of the two of those to create some distance between the two of them um yep you push back you kind of spring back as you land you let your knees bend you're on almost the tips of your toes in a boxer's stance you hear in the back of your mind the voice of your tutor, Warwick, drilling into you in practice sessions. Keep your balance. 50-50. Keep them spread. Thinking about this, Heath does the Ali, doing the shuffle back and forth as going to make a false start towards the guy and is going to swap the, um, the gravity once again going with it and he's going to twist as he allows the gravity to kind of pull him to the right hand side and using it to drive in with the baton to the side of the the guy again eight doesn't hit doesn't hit. as you come forwards again he moves so fast it's almost like a blur of motion he ducks under your swing uh low and then he's right inside he is like close enough that you could smell him and all you can smell is dust and rotting fabric. And then his fists come up, both of them at once into your stomach. That's uh, only a three. And he's going to send you pushing backwards. Okay, so it doesn't do enough to, to hurt Heath, but pushes him backwards. And that time Heath is going to pull out with his hand and tap the guy's uh, like arms that have hit him and pull him off from the ground as Heath slides backwards. Uh, Heath that's going to be an opposed check to oh, try okay. and touch yep. him like that. Sure. Well, it's a one, so no, it doesn't work. Okay. okay, Heath tries to... You, and you go yeah. and zoom, that the hands are gone. Okay, Heath is going to, as he is pushed back, he is going to once again shift his gravity so he slides on his shoes back metre after metre as he pulls out his gun is going to take two shots at him. So when Heath told them to to go around, I imagine we kind of both ducked around him, like one on the right, one on the left, mm-hmm. to run around the outside yep. towards Douglas. Are there pews here? No, no. This is no. not. This is below the actual church itself. Okay. Um, yeah, and while I'm doing that, I would like to roll uh, investigation 
where we've just come from to see if there's an obvious way to block that mm-hmm. entrance to stop everyone else coming in. That's a seven. Uh, there is no obvious way. and In fact, they're already spilling through this sort of cracked fissure in the wall. Nice. Um, yep, you are yep. going to have okay. to deal with them too. All right. Uh, yeah, so we're going to run straight towards uh, Hildebrand. You are moving. Puck is moving. Puck actually goes to move, but um, as she's focused on watching uh, what Heath is doing, she doesn't notice uh, that the first of the undead has cleared the, the fissure in the wall and lunges for her, um, and it's going to take her around the legs, and she's going to go down. Okay, um, I will... Uh, I'd, like, go to start running, see that happen, turn, and I'm going to kick it. Uh, all right. You'll use your full movement to get from your side back to her. Yeah. Now that you've started moving. All right. Roll yep. to a hit. That's fine. Uh, five, six, seven with self-defense. Uh, all right. Seven just hit. Or does this come under close quarters? Um, no, that's for damage. No, that's the bonus. No, close quarters yep. would work. Yeah. So uh, that makes an eight. All right. That hits. So because I have close quarters combat as a special skill now, I can roll... D8 plus 3 is 9 damage. Um, Alright, yep, 9 damage. Just just from my, my little shoes. Yep, you... Just so good at kicking. <laughs> yeah, you take this thing in the back of the spine and you stamp down, kicking across, trying to take it off Puck as it's like wrapped around her legs and trying to claw further up. Um, you can kick it off her and it definitely does some damage. You can actually see in the moonlight uh, it is fainter but you can still see this flickering green flame that seems to basically um, be burning within the rib cage and over um, the extremities of this this skeleton that is a person. And you can see flickering in that green light um, the person that this maybe once was. It's a young woman. Yeah. All right, that's your turn. She's still holding her bowie knife. She uh, slashes out with it, but you've already moved it out of reach, so she's going to scramble up. Um, and as she does so, she grabs you by the front of the shirt and she pulls you towards her and sidesteps you, almost like a self-defense move, like she's going to throw you. Yep. But really, she's swapping places as another two um, charge right into her. All right, the first one launches forwards and uh, using its hands, it grabs onto um, Puck's outstretched left arm that she's using to block um, and you can see, as well as she feels, uh, almost like frostbite, this cold burning damage that go into her forearm um, that seems to swell and uh, discolour the skin underneath it. And as Puck cries out, the second one uh, launches forward, but Puck sidesteps um, it and it's going to end up closer to you. Um, all right, so there's one closer to me and then one attacking her. Um, and more on their way. And more on their way. Okay. Um, and one on the ground. Lovely. Uh, I'm going to shoot the one attacking her. Mm-hmm. And... Yep. I'm, right. I, I'm thinking there's no point trying to fight them because they're just going to keep coming. Right. So we need to go and get the other guy. Um, so I'm just dealing with yep. the immediate problem, which is the one attacking her... That's a yeah. That's a fourteen to hit. Definitely hits. Plus two, uh, and I do. Uh, I do eight damage. Um, all right. 
that one. You kill that one. Okay. Um, right, you shoot it. Where do you shoot it to kill it? Um, I feel <laughs> I feel like I aim, go to fire, pause, uh, bang, and then just like straight through the skull. <laughs> All right. I will I will say now, and Alistair would would know this um, potentially from his training, potentially just from what he's observed so far. These are not zombies. There is no brain to destroy. These are long, yep. long dead. This is a spirit possessing. Uh, the body it oh, once well, held. Case, oh. So it's more about the damage that it's taking generally for the spirit to be able to maintain the form. Shoot through, oh, in that the, case, shoot through like the spine. Through the spine. Break the spine. Yeah. Fall into two. All right. Go for the spine. You shoot through the spine, it cracks, and what you see basically is that this green flame burns even brighter, and the skeleton itself seems to burn up in the ashes um, as a wailing scream kind of escapes from this spirit, and then it's gone, and whatever is left, these kind of charred ashed remains fall to the ground okay. clatter okay um and then right. i'm gonna grab her and start running towards hildereth uh she shoves you instead okay and she says my job is to protect you you get hildebrand right um and you can see that the, the knife comes up and she's in a defensive stance and she's gonna move backwards trying to keep pace with you but she's keeping herself between you and the rest of the All horde right. i'll turn and run back in then Hello there, valued and dedicated Dark Tides listener. My name is Semitone, and look, I promise it won't be long. I just thought I'd pop on here to let you know that the Dark Tides Patreon has just released a brand new $10 third Patreon tier, which means if you, the listener, head over to patreon.com slash darktides and you sign up for the third $10 tier, you will receive access to two, not one, but two brand new shows by the makers of Dark Tides. The first is an in-world, in-canon radio show called Tower Transmissions, starring Dave Lightning uh, and his friend Carl. But to be honest, the one you really want is Solar Scar, which is a sci-fi bounty hunting adventure extravaganza featuring myself, Semitone, and my partner Marty as we fight our way through a ruthless and sometimes quite ridiculous world trying to pay off our debts and just generally keep ourselves out of trouble, which, to be honest with ya, we don't do a great job of most of the time. But anyway, if you want to have a listen to these brand new shows, head over to patreon.com slash darktides and give it a geese. All right, thanks a lot. I hope you're having a good day and I will let you get back to the main show. Okay, so... Uh, Heath is going to take two shots at the the figure as he is sliding backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no extra to that. I don't All think, right. So uh, a nine does not hit then. A nine doesn't hit. Okay, so I'm going to take the two shots off it. See if that doesn't work. I'm going to stop gravity uh, in that direction, and I'm going to take off at a run towards him again and kick off the ground, going into the air by a, a meter or two, and then going to pull out my baton, flick it into the air, and twist in midair and going to kick it with the back of my heel and swap past the gravity to it and swap its gravity to shoot it down like a bullet at the guy. <laughs> Alright, roll the That's a 10 plus my other arm, so that's a 12. Alright, it punctures through him and like right through him to the ground behind. 
mm-hmm. um, almost like uh, a spearhead. It shoots straight through him. Seven damage. He doesn't quaver. He takes the damage. It goes through him. You know that it definitely passed through his body, but it's almost like he didn't feel it. Yeah. Uh, and you are falling to the ground, correct? Yeah. All right. He's going to make an attack now. All right. What's your AC against sir? Eight. Uh, all right. Yes, he hits you. All right. Uh, this time, he just goes straight for the throat. Mm-hmm. Um, so you bring your arms up to block. He grabs it, um, your arm with the left hand, twists it aside, and basically uh, goes for the throat with his fingers outstretched. And he grabs you around the neck, and you again feel this biting cold um, run through your throat and up your uh, neck to your ears and your eyes. You can feel this pressure in your head. And I need you to make a saving throw for me, DC 10. That's two. All right. Um, He has caught you before you even fully landed on the ground. Like, you've dropped, and he's that fast. As he basically catches you midair by the throat, you're brought almost face-to-face. And you can see now this mask that he is wearing you can see that there is definitely some kind of respiratory system some kind of filtration system um and you can see that the tubes extend from the mouth from this little more of a mouth around the side of the face into the neck or into the back of the head even he's still obscured largely by this weird uh rotted cape cloak thing that he's wearing uh, and you can see just the glowing green hellfire of his eyes behind these glass circles. And as you do so, it's almost like everything outside of that face and those eyes begins to go dark. And it increases and increases until you are just in a black void of nothingness and you are freezing. You can feel your breath pluming in front of you and your body begin to shake as you're looking into those eyes. As you would, as everything else around you is bleeding away into this black void, you can hear this mask system whirring and clicking with um, mechanics inside. And through the whirring and clicking, almost like a tinny, inhuman speaker, you hear a voice say one word. Four. He feels himself falling back and fading and then seems to catch himself. This isn't his first rodeo. He reaches behind himself and grabs something, grabs the arm of the thing holding him and jams the flare into its neck and sets it off into the the machine work as it goes off and light plumes out, uh, starts to try and push himself away. Right, what you realize as you begin to use your power and try to use your strength is that this coldness is not merely temperature. This is your own power, your own strength, your energy being sucked out of you. This malaise that comes over you. As you begin to push, you realize your limbs are incredibly weak, like your strength is sapped and you are only standing because this guy is still holding you by the throat and as you look (laughs) 
All right, so how close am I to, what's his name? Hildebrand, you could make it in your turn. I will do about. that. And when I get to him, I'm gonna, um, what's he doing? Uh, he is trying to claw the stone plaque off of this thing. You can see that he's been heaving at it and heaving at it. His fingers are bloody and raw from where he's been trying to claw this stone open. Okay, uh, I'm gonna run up. I assume he's facing away from me, so I run up uh, behind him and mm -hmm. bring my arm across his throat and try and pull him away from the grave coffin. All right, uh, we're going to do an opposed strength check to see if you can okay. pin him. Uh, I got a four. All right. Hildebrand is a big man. He's definitely taller than you and broader and much heavier, even though he's not very fit. So even though you kind of get him in a hole and you try to pull him... Uh, it's difficult work. He's clawing onto the stone. You can hear he's still mumbling something about significant and something about lost and something about hidden. And as he is doing so, as you pull and he pulls, um, you actually hear the stone grating as he's clinging on so tightly to the stone as it begins to come loose. Um, now, make another check for me to see if you can choke him out or something. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's a nine? Alright, that'll do it. Yep. Um, that beats his armor class. You basically, you tighten your grip, you change it from trying to uh, hold, like, pull him away to trying to basically knock him out. You put your, your full arm around his neck and begin to pull in and support his head as you're trying to basically uh, restrict his breathing enough for him to drop. And it works pretty quickly. He's breathing heavily and he's a big man and as you restrict his airways um, he begins to choke and he begins to let go of the stone. As he's starting to let go <clears throat> I change my grip with my left hand to like try and catch him and as he kind of weakens and drops I pull him away by the shoulders and just place him down somewhere where he's not going to hurt himself. Alright, uh, you glance over your shoulder as you're doing this and you can see Puck um, and this is a trick you have never seen her pull before uh she has taken off her leather jacket uh, which is a heavy one and she's only wearing like a, a boxing gym tank top type of thing and she's pulled the back of the top up a little bit to reach the small of her back and you can see what she has tattooed there is a coil of chain oh, and cool. as she runs her hand over it she begins to pull this maybe four meter length of heavy chain from her back uh, as the tattoo disappears and it drops to the ground near her as she wraps it around her gloved fist. And as the um, more of these undead are clambering in, she begins to flick it with these kind of full arm motions. She sends it flicking in these spirals up and it's snapping at um, the undead and she's using it effectively to keep them at bay by slashing out at them in a wide arc that keeps them away from you as she's still moving backwards um, trying to catch up with you. Okay, I'm going to investigate the thing that he was pulling out. Um, okay. To see what's you, inside it. Okay, it's half, it's half open already. Give me a strength check, just DC 5, to get the thing fully open now that he's pulled uh, the can front I, off it. Can I look in before I open it? No, not from here. Okay. You've okay. loosened it, it's not open yet. Uh, that's an 8. Alright, you heave on this thing, um... And it comes loose. It was already on its way out. And it's basically a big stone plaque that has been uh, grouted in to protect what is essentially um, a more modern coffin in here. Definitely okay. still old. It's more than 100 years old, but more modern than some of the stuff that you've seen below. Yep. And as it crashes to the ground, Heath, returning to you, 
uh, you feel your strength sapping and these things. And as uh, this figure reaches its other hand up, um, it's got its right hand around your throat as it brings its left hand up and it puts its two, uh, its index and middle finger, it begins to slip them towards your eyes. And as it does so, you hear the crash and crack of stone behind you and this creature stops. And even though there are no pupils, nothing to track, you can see the minute movement of its head as it looks past you, behind you, to where Alistair has just opened this crypt. He, while it's while it's not paying complete attention to him, he is going to push himself out of its grip and is going to roll along the ground a few feet away from it. And he's going to half get up, kind of fall to one knee and try to get up again and is going to look directly at it as he is between Alistair and and it and he's going to reach behind his back and he's going to start to unclip something from the small of his back that's clipped just above his belt he's going to say I I don't know what part you have to play in all this or who exactly you are but I ain't going to be the one falling here not while my students are still here you ain't getting past me he's going to pull from behind his back a war hammer <laughs> Now, okay. give us a quick description of this so that uh, it's very clear in the audience's mind. Sure. So it is about a foot and a half to two feet long pole that is reinforced. It's like metal, but reinforced with rubber so you can hold it and the vibrations don't come back across it. Yep. It has two heads. So as one head, there's a large silver hammer and the other uh, side is like an axe. Basically, it's an axe head that is made of iron, once again, and it is engraved with, once again, those branches and those tree roots and all that type of stuff, keeping in theme with his tattoos and his rings, this theme of wood. And the handle is reinforced at the very lowest point is a, uh, like, on the handle part, goes down to rubber and then goes into wood, where it is a birch point, like a birch stabbing point. He's finally going to pull himself up, standing now between the thing and Alistair holding the axe. And he's going to do the, the Ali shuffle again and is going to start swinging the axe and flick it up into his hand and is going to take off running again, using the vertigo power towards the, the thing in front of him. All right. Uh, roll to attack. And he's going... Actually, we're going to make an opposed dexterity roll. Okay. 11 plus 2. Natural 12 plus 5. Bastard! Um, um, Alright. Oh! 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 As, this, as he's seeing this thing is moving faster than him already, he's going to call out, Boyo! Alistair hears, his, hears Heath calling out and looks over and sees that it's about to go down. Um, and he rests this, like, drops the stone, because I'm imagining he was still half supporting it. Drops the stone looks over towards Heath, who's still running towards this figure, and closes his eyes and takes a deep breath and goes into this prescient sense that he has inside his mind. Alistair sees the room in monochrome um, before him and he sees um, Heath rushing towards faster than, than real life, rushing towards the creature. And then what does Alistair see from that point? Alistair sees as Heath um, brings the hammer up. He's going low and he's planning to sweep in and uppercut this creature using both hands. 
what he sees is that the creature already knows. Sidesteps and leaps and leaps high over the swing. And as it comes down, almost like a diver into a pool, it's coming directly down on Heath. It reaches out and grabs Heath's face with one hand. And you can see as the fingers dig in um, that something changes in Heath's face and his neck breaks as this creature twists and moves over, almost vaulting over Heath and continues moving towards you. Alistair, for a minute, is lost in this timeless vision of the future. And then he pulls himself back, opens his eyes, just as Heath is about to approach the character. And he calls out, Go for the head! Heath immediately switches his vertigo up and kicks off the ground again and then takes a few feet up into the air and swaps it down again as he brings the hammer up over his head and cracks it down using the vertigo speed down as he lands again cracking it in and i'm going to substitute the creature's roll for a nat one all right so i got a nat 12 so i'm aiming to like hit the system basically oh okay because um, like everything else seems to not take damage, but if I just go to the, the system, all right, and go for the mask. Yeah, this thing still is expecting you to go low and sweep up has dived, and when you switch your gravity, you are now above it mid-air, and as you bring the hammer down using the axe head or the, the hammer head, axe head chop through, you swing it down, adjusting your spin in the air, and you take it uh, in the back of the neck, uh, in part of whatever the the brace headset gas mask piece that he's wearing and you feel it bite in and you hear the clink of metal and you feel as it severs through um, tubing and wiring and whirring mechanics and you hear a choke sound from below you um, and the creature continues to, to fly forward as your axe um, leaves its wound and it falls to the ground it's the first time you've seen it look legitimately damaged as you can see that there is at least one air hose that's sort of spinning and something else is leaking oil out onto the ground. Okay, what damage did I roll for that? Um, I would say because it's a, uh, basically a critical hit. Uh, roll two, what were you rolling before for your billy clubs? D8. Alright, uh, roll 2d8 since you, you hit it critically. Alistair already knows what the outcome of the this is going to be because he's just seen it. And so he draws his gun and points it at where the creature is going to fall. And then as the creature falls, he's going to fire a shot at its Do I get advantage to hit that because I knew where it would be? Or not? No, not in this instance. I got a 7 and a 5, which is 12 damage. Right? Um, all right, you, it hits the ground and sort of slides a little. You bring your gun up to shoot, but this thing's already rolled and it's on all fours and it's, um, I, it darts I, to the side. I just don't fire it. No, and it's going straight for the hole in the wall that you created. Oh. It's going for the, the open where I am. Ah, uh, yes. Ah. So there's nothing in there. There is. You haven't looked yet. Okay. I, I look. Um, that, that shall be my action. I shall look. Alistair, you check the cavity. Um, what you find is no grave at all. There should be um, a coffin or some kind of urn or something in here, but instead there is a small tin box and nothing else. I take the box. All right. It's about the size of a biscuit tin. In fact, it is an old, old biscuit tin. Uh, rusty, cobwebbed, and dusty. As you pull it out, you are in a hurry because you're trying to get this thing before it does. 
uh, in your periphery, you see this thing coming very close and then the whoosh as Heath completely passes by you, intercepts it and puts himself between you. He's actually standing on the wall that you are reaching into, uh, acts ready as this creature um, basically bounces into Heath. As you grab the box um, and you turn, uh, the lid comes off and there is a red cloth inside. Your hand moves to try and clamp down and keep whatever is inside inside and you feel your hand meet cold metal. And in a split second, as you turn to see what Heath is doing and where this creature is, you look down and you see out of this red handkerchief, essentially, an old beat-up looking service revolver slides into your hand and your fingers close around it. Uh, Power! <laughs> for it, listeners listening, they might not understand this if they haven't listened to our prequel series. All right, it slides into your hand and it's like a perfect fit, like this grip. And all grips are made to be held, but this is almost like it was made for your hand. And as your fingers fold around it, it feels warm, almost to the touch. As you feel this solidify into your hand, something very strange happens. You feel almost as there, there's a rush of heat from the gun and the air around it seems to expand almost as in extreme temperatures uh, and almost like your vision bows around the gun and things slow in time. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you are aware of Heath fighting behind you and more in the foreground, you can see uh, Puck lashing out with the chain with these 10 odd undead crowding her. And then the heat, the energy, whatever is coming from this gun seems to cool and shift back in, tightening in reality, quickens and pulls itself back into the gun. And then you are back to normal and the world around you has gone back. Uh, he, <sighs> this creature has crashed into you. You've pulled the... Um, your axe up to help take the blow, but it has sent you skidding back across this. Um, it is clunk clinging to the wall as well. Mm -hmm. Not on its own feet, not standing as if it's gravity, but clinging like a spider to the wall. <sighs> okay, uh, I'd like to roll paranormal knowledge to um, see what I can understand about this. Right, roll thing. Uh, which is a 12 plus 2. Which is very good. Which is very good. It's I mean, that's, that's far too good for Alistair. All right. <laughs> you spin around, um, almost bringing up this gun instinctively, and then you feel something. You feel a vibration run through the gun into your fingertips, and it ripples up your arm into your rib cage, and then up your spine to your neck. And it's almost like something coalesces at the base of your skull like a snake coiling itself. And you hear a very quiet, timid voice say, Hello? It's been a long time since I had someone to talk to.
And then you hear Heath shout, Asta, help Puck! Leave it wherever it is, leave it! Help Puck! As your attention is momentarily diverted, your eyes flick to Heath. All right, Heath, you are holding um, your Warhammer in both hands. As this thing dives you, it tries to grab the Warhammer and you, like, shove it forwards. You smack it in the, um, like, above, under the jaw and up uh, and try to shove it off you. As you do, you hit it, it makes contact, and then it flings itself up, almost like a trapeze artist still holding onto the pole of the Warhammer. So it is almost in a handstand above you and it's going to try to latch onto the wall and fling you from it. <laughs> does it, not, does it not understand trace. I control gravity? Does it think it's no, going make, to throw me anywhere? Yeah, make a, a uh, unopposed check. Uh, that's a seven. 17. How? Natural How? 12 How? plus five. Aubrey, <laughs> you rolled too many 12s. It's the villain. <laughs> too many 12s. Um, right. Loaded you are, dice. You are not expecting this, and it does fling you. It flings you from the wall onto the ground. Alistair, as this happens and your, your vision momentarily diverts, your eyes flick. As you come back, your hand's empty. It's almost as if there was nothing there, and oh. you close your hand on thin air for a moment. But still, somehow, somewhere, you can feel that coalesce, that snake-like feeling in the very base of your skull. Okay, uh, I take a second, blink, look at my hand. Uh, Heath clashes onto the ground and immediately takes back off at a run towards the wall as going to kick off the ground, flying towards the creature again. He's going to yell, Alistair, Puck! Uh, Alistair being kind of compartmentalizing all of that into... Deal with it later. Uh, is going to draw his gun, and can I f- can I fire like three shots towards the things attacking Puck, and then I roll. Well, what you see as you start charging towards Puck is that um, the the chain has got tangled, and now two of the undead are basically wrenching at it, and uh, Puck loses her grip. She falls backwards, letting go of the chain, falls flat on her back as these things clamber forward. So okay. you can take a couple of shots now. She's sort of yep. out of immediate harm's way. Uh, well, I'll stop running and, like, calm my stance so that I'm, you know, mm-hmm. preparing to shoot. And I'll shoot. Is there, like, well, however many are close to her, I'll just uh, shoot. There were ten. ten. We'll say that she's dealt with three of them, so there's seven still. Okay. So I'm going to shoot at the three closest. All right. Um, kind of bang, bang, yep. bang, one shot for each. Uh, so that's a four. A f- f- five. And a two. All right, you're you are rattled by what's just happened. You you've seen a lot of stuff in your time, but this is a little weird. And voices in your head. Yeah, that's new. Is a worry. Do it's I take a stress bit of a worry for you? Actually, yes, you absolutely D4? take stress damage. D four. Uh, Puck is going to take her own stress damage from trying to fight <laughs> An army. multiple zombies at once. Yes, your all of your shots go wide. Some of them actually pass straight through what would normally be their bodies. It's not yep. that your target practice is bad. It's that these things are to be harder to precise. hit. Yep. Um, but you take their attention from a moment um, they are not pursuing Puck and her reaction is to, lying, still lying on the ground, to plant her feet and push off powerfully, sliding herself across the tiles, almost uh, mimicking her mentor in that. And as she does show, yep. she reaches both arms up and because tank top, her sleeves are completely non-existent she reaches for the points of her shoulders and you can see again she covers over the tattoos and pulls them out 
into a pair of brass knuckles. <laughs> and as she rolls to the side and up into a boxer's stance, she, yep. she says, thanks for the assist. <sighs> I have a question for the DM. Does the chain disappear when she lets go of it? No. Oh. No. The tattoo is gone too. Yeah, uh, the okay. Bowie knife on her arm is gone too since she has um, has dropped that somewhere in the fight. Oh. Okay. Um, sh- all right. Heath, as you jump back up, it springs backwards up the wall launches itself up as high as it can and lights on the uh, window frame of one of these stained glass windows uh, and it looks down at you. You can see these burning green eyes as it surveys you and the scene before it and with a whirring click that seems to be uh, a little distorted by the damage you've done to this uh, mask. Without looking, it shoulders, it elbows the glass behind it smashing it open and jumps backwards out into the night. Alistair's going to take a shot at it before it jumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, aiming for any part of the, the mm-hmm. mask or the hoses. All right. Um, yeah, you see the as it takes it in the face, you see the head move to the side. One of the eye pieces of the mask cracks and you can see almost from it the flare of green behind it um, burn brighter and then it's gone into the night. Uh, meanwhile, a yeah, question for the DM: Did it take my war at my warhammer? No. Good. Okay. Uh, Heath is going to snatch up his warhammer from the ground and is going to once again kick off and fling himself towards the the undead that are now rounding towards Alistair. You can see Puck as you are charging through. There's a little spark of pride in your your teacher's heart <laughs> as you see um, Puck ducking and weaving like a champ um, and as she she. Um, jab, cross, and hook as she smashes one of the skulls and jumps backwards out of range again um, as another one lunches forward. Uh, We leave this scene and return later to the three of you uh, sitting on the church steps uh, in dawn sunlight. (laughs) The bunch of bones around us in like a circle. No, no. You're outside the church now in dawn sunlight. Um, The snow has fallen all over Uh, the small garden here and the wrought iron fence. Uh, You did, in the midst of this fight, in fact, uh, wake up the curate who (laughs) lives above, (laughs) uh, lives in a small adjoining uh, cottage to the church. Yeah, Heath, the Puck and Alistair are sitting on the steps. Heath is about uh, like 10, 15 metres away at the little fence on the phone talking to someone from Tyr, also like on another phone talking to the police while also talking to this little priest <laughs> who like operates the church and just like explaining what happened to his stained glass, explaining what happened to his supervisor and explaining what's happened to the police. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to the, uh, to the little curate. Uh, he's made you all... Uh, tea. He doesn't speak very good English, though. His Dutch is a lot better. And Alistair, you go through uh, the box. You did retrieve the box just in case there was anything else. Um, with Puck looking over your shoulder, you uh, search the box for any any clues mm. or anything that you can find. And folded tightly inside of the red cloth, you would assume it was probably laid on top of the gun itself. If you hadn't uh, been in such a hurry, you probably would have found it before you found the gun. Um, You find a note hurriedly scribbled on a tiny piece of faded note paper. 
Uh, it's hard to make out the words, and certain sections of it seem to be fairly faded, but you do make out one sentence for sure, although it is almost meaningless to you. It says, This is a significant. Whatever you do, do not, for the love of God, let them get their hands on it. They could tear our world apart, keep it secret, keep it safe. So the hanky, that that's what they were after. <laughs> no, not that. No, there was a, there was a gun, like an old uh, military World War II revolver. Uh, and where did you lose that? Um, Look, do I have to go and search through no, the bones? No, Alistair kind of like smiles and like scratches his head. He's like, I didn't lose it. I picked it up. Uh, it, it just, it's gone. No, like I, I, I picked it up in my hand and I felt like it connected with me or something. And then I looked back and it was gone. I didn't, I, I, I know what you're going to say. I didn't drop it. It's just gone. Uh, Puck is looking at you with like narrowed eyes. Uh, at the same time, she has her Bowie knife, and what she's doing is she, uh, while she's sort of staring at you confusedly, <laughs> she presses the knife to the place on her forearm where the tattoo had been, and smooths it over with her hand. And as you can see, uh, the tattoo is back, and the knife is gone. Does it make a sound? No. Cool. Um, and she's sort of staring at it. Uh huh. I'm not crazy, Puck. I'm telling you. <laughs> she kind of like gestures to what she's just done with her arm. It's like, I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm saying it doesn't make sense. <sighs> yeah. Heath is going to get off his phone calls and is going to mince over to them, uh, pick up the, the box, read the note, go through the box, like wipe the box. Heath. And put it in. It's like, great. They got to it before us. No. Heath, I I picked it up. It was a it was an old World War Two era revolver. It was kind of old, hadn't been used. It was it was sitting underneath this cloth, and I picked it up, and then it just connected with me or something, and then disappeared. I I was saying I I didn't lose it, I didn't drop it. It just disappeared. I don't know where it went. Heath pauses for a second and then picks up the note again and reads it again and kind of turns it over in his fingers and is going to put it back in the box and is going to tap you on the shoulder a few times, kind of slowing each tap and be like, hmm. The note says something about a significant, um, Hildebrand was, he said that word. He, he was muttering a lot of stuff, but I know he said significant. Uh, maybe Puck. That's... Speaking of which, is he okay? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we you, all... you did take him out of the church. He is okay. uh, lying down inside, uh, inside the rectory. Uh, he has been like checked over. He has a few head wounds and a terrible, terrible headache. Um, but he's, but he's alive. He is not conscious, but he is alive. Yeah. You see pulling up behind Heath another uh, unmarked SUV that you have now come to recognise as a tier vehicle basically. Can and they have like like white circles around the rims or something? Just like something really subtle that stands them apart? Sure. Yes! Sure. Um, he's going to tap on your shoulder a few times again and say I think we better head back to HQ about this. Yeah. It was I've never seen anything like this. 
yes. Anyway, unrelated to that, we'll we'll discuss that later. Uh, good job, very good. Yep, that uh, was quite there. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was... He's gonna clap a few times. Yeah, Puck claps it. Go team. Yeah, yeah. Elsa looks. Like I got he... to kill a lot of zombies. <laughs> Elsa looks at Heath and says, "You all right? That was more of a tough fight than I was expecting. I'm gonna be honest. I'll be right, Ellie boy. First thing is though, this is important." And he's going to kind of help you up off the stairs and he's going to lead the way. Definitely acting a bit different to how he normally is and start leading the way, not walking with you, but leading the way towards the car and open up the door. I feel like he's not the kind of teacher who leads the way very often. Yeah, no. (laughs) He's usually the one at the back. Uh, Alistair's going to look back at Puck, who's behind, and like kind of give her a look of like, okay. She gives you like two thumbs up and nods really enthusiastically and mouths... You're in trouble. <laughs> Alistair, Alistair, like, giggles. And then, but, like, giggles and then takes on more of a... All right, as you, you step yeah, okay. into the um, the SUV, you have this strange tingling sensation in your fingers and up your arm. Um, and you feel that again, that strange shifting smooth feeling at the base of your skull and a voice and it could have been someone on the street maybe it was the driver it's really hard to pin down where it came from but a timid voice that just says i think we'll go along i hope so huh what nothing i'll tell you later did you get hit in the head or something no i'm fine The SUV pulls away from the curb um, as Puck stays with Hildebrand until they can get an ambulance. You have been listening to Dark Tides. I am your host. Actually, I forget. I just don't even know what it says. And I can't find my piece of paper anymore. Um, screw it. We'll keep. We'll leave that sort of stuff. Thank you for listening to Dark Tides. I am Aubrey Lydon, the show creator, host, and narrator. BJ Ingate played Alistair Stern. Chester Lydon played Heath O'Sullivan. Uh, if you want to check out any of our social media for news and updates, as well as our back catalogue of episodes, uh, you can check us out wherever you get your podcasts, as well as Facebook at facebook.com slash darktides, uh, reddit at r slash darktides, and Twitter at twitter.com slash darktidespod. Uh, we also have a wonderfully active Patreon where we have heaps of bonus content if you would like to check out uh, our other mini-series, our prequel mini-series, our ongoing sci-fi campaign, as well as heaps of other stuff. You can check it all out there. Until next week, stay safe. You better move, you might get knocked out. Knocked out. You better move, you might get knocked out.